Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Rush Hour Podcast, hosted by myself, Hamid Kamal, and Jay Park. And Jay, we got to start this episode top of the hour by congratulating our good friend and huge fan of the pod, Brad, for getting engaged to his longtime girlfriend, Laura. This is quite a huge milestone for those two, and we wish them more than the best. Do you got anything to add on that? No, definitely big news that just forgot to talk about on the last pod but hopefully many many good things to come for those who lovely people that we went we both went to school with and thanks to brad for being an avid listener of the pod sounds good man uh, let's start off right onto it man bron james made his appearance finally coming back actually from uh, the abdominal strain injury which led him to missing eight games like had a huge effect on the on the lakers and how they performed the lakers initially went three and five without lebron sorry with lebron when he was playing and when he was out they were pretty much on long uh, losing streaks Westbrook did not know how to handle the ball but unfortunately even with LeBron's return the Lakers did lose to the Boston Celtics 130 to 108 and LeBron really really did his best to perform on the court but they still came up with a loss what's what's your thoughts on how how the Lakers performed on LeBron's uh, return so I've definitely thought that LeBron looked well, especially for not being actually on the court for an extended amount of time. I believe it was close to like two or two and a half weeks. But the Lakers, they just don't look like a great team right now. They they don't look like anything like a championship contender. And it, it's definitely worrisome because how are you 17 games in and you rank, what, ninth in the conference and you're eight and nine, you're one game below 500? For a super stacked team with, what, potentially six future Hall of Famers, it's not a good look right now. And the biggest worrisome issue for me is not LeBron, to be honest, and it's not Russell Westbrook, to be honest, it's Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis, I believe that he has the potential to be a top five player in the NBA in any given year, provided that he's healthy. But he lacks the, the MO and he, he lacks the motivation he, and he lacks the consistency to always put in the necessary amount of energy and effort for each and every game, regardless of who they're facing and whoever their opponent is. Because some moments, even in that Celtics game that was on ESPN as part of LeBron's first game back, in the first quarter, he looked unstoppable. The LeBron, everybody was feeding him the ball and it, it looked like the Celtics were lost. And all of a sudden, by the by the end of the second quarter and for the rest of the game, he was a non-factor. Like, how do you go for somebody that we can't stop you if we're the Boston Celtics and you're not even a factor for the rest of the game? To me, that's just psychologically something is wrong there. Something is missing there. And until Anthony Davis becomes the clear second best player on the Lakers that they can depend on night in and night out, it's bad news for Laker fans. Because right now, things are not going to look any better, even with LeBron. LeBron does fix and help the team in a lot of different ways, but it's not enough for them to catapult over the other contenders, which we'll talk about in a moment, in the likes of the Suns, the Warriors, the Jazz, the Mavericks, the Nuggets, all these other teams who are upcoming to take their position in the Western Conference over the Lakers. So I know Anthony Davis, uh, he, he did have a decent defensively game with uh, three blocks, but honestly, a player of that height, I think that you should get your team more rebounds. The fact that he only got six rebounds and Jason Tatum got the got, got the Celtics 11 rebounds, that just means more possessions for your team, whether if it's defensive rebounds or offensive rebounds. I think that he just needs to be a lot more dominant in the paint and fetching for those loose balls. LeBron was asked after the game on whether the Lakers should feel the sense of urgency or not. Let's hear what he has to say, what, what he said after the game in his post-game interview. No, it's never. We got 65 games left. We damn sure need to play better, no matter who's in the lineup. You know, um... You know, we have our system and we need to 
Um, you know, obviously fast track it and get better with it to where we can play no matter who's out on the floor, we can play at a high level. So uh, it's never that we got 65 um, games and we'll figure it out then, but um, there's no level of panic. But there should be some sense of urgency anytime we hit the floor. Yeah, so just LeBron saying that, that just means that the leagues are really not in good shape right now and they, they really need to step up. But just to follow up on what the Lakers have been doing, so they the Lakers cut Dumbuya, who they had from the Detroit Pistons, I believe, and they signed Chande Brown Jr. to a two-way deal. If you're asking me, I really don't know what Rob Palink is doing. I'm not sure what this signing is going to do for the team, but it looks like they, they needed some sort of increased depth, but it's, it's, it's going to be quite interesting. Further on to more news with Los Angeles Lakers and the Los Angeles Clippers since they share the same arena. The Staples Center has signed a huge, huge multi-million dollar deal to change the Staples Center name to Crypto.com Arena. You said Crypto Arena? <laughs> I didn't know what you said. It's going to be a 20-year lease for $700 million, give or take. And this wow. is going to take this is going to take effect on Christmas, uh, December 25th. What's your thoughts on Crypto.com Arena? Because we know that Staples Center, we know what that was for, man. That was the Kobe days, the, the Shaq days. Just a lot of history with that name. But with this new arena, Crypto.com, it just goes to show you that the importance of cryptocurrencies nowadays. But what's uh, what's your thoughts on how that's going to be like appealing or not for the rest of the league, or is it just going to be another name for the rest of the league? It doesn't really matter. A venue is a venue, and for those people who've always been calling it the Staples Center, will probably continue to call it the Staples Center. I know that an example is uh, in Toronto. There's you know where the Raptors play. Currently, it's called Scotiabank Arena, but some people still call it Air Canada Center, right? And so, Shit, the Staples some, Center... some, some people still call it Skydome, for God's sake, <laughs> even though <laughs> even though Skydome's across the street. Exactly, and and right now, I I believe is honestly just can the Lakers get it together so that the crypt Crypto.com Arena actually becomes somewhat more relevant of a, a venue name because obviously that's what Staples Center was known for. Yes, they've hosted other events for other industries, a lot of other stars, you know, walked in and walked out of that venue over time, over the length of the previous uh, lease agreement with Staples. But Crypto.com, obviously, they, they intentionally put it on Christmas because they, they know that, A, the Lakers are playing. They're, and facing, B, they're facing the Brooklyn Nets, and that's quite a game. Yeah, that's quite a game. And obviously, that'll probably be the biggest game of the night. And not only that, like, I think moving forward, these name rights, they're good money makers for the venue owner, but at the same time, like it shouldn't be that big of a deal unless it was, you know, the Madison Square Garden changing its name. Staples yeah. Center was a was a big name, but it's not as prominent as you know maybe the TD Garden in Boston or the Madison Square Garden in New York. But and and kudos to the Lakers for making money. Let's let's be clear: the, the Lakers' history was found on the the forum, the, the original. Exactly. Center was just was, was just an addition afterwards. Let's move on to the Phoenix Suns, the former final contenders from the from the West. So they beat the Dallas Mavericks one twelve to one o four. Dallas were playing without Luca, but uh, the Suns are really on a, on a huge huge win streak, and th- that was their eleventh straight win. But what's your thoughts on how how the Suns are are pretty much shaping up to be? And do you think that they have a chance to make it to the finals again? Anytime that you win eleven in a row, it's it's, it's a it's a clear statement to the rest of the league that you're not here to play around. After starting the season, I believe like one and three, people were thinking, ah, you know, well, was it luck? You know, was it uh, injuries of other teams, star players that helped them get to this point? Like, did they really deserve to be in the NBA Finals against Milwaukee? 
there was a lot of ifs going around in the league, especially during last year's playoff run that they had. But now they're showing why they're legit. They're not going anywhere. CP3 still playing like a star. And he's clearly deserving of that, that NBA top 75 players ever to don a jersey in the NBA. And Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, a lot of the young guys still have to prove their spot when it comes to the upper echelon of NBA superstardom. Especially with Ayton being on a contract year where he hasn't signed an extension yet. A lot of these young guys, they're hungry. And I believe that winning will translate into more money. Winning will translate into a more lucrative future. So they're doing the right things by winning 11 straight, either albeit at home or on the road. All right. Uh, so we know that the Dallas pretty much played without Luca, and we know that Luca's out due to injury. We know Shams Karania reported that, that Luca did go undergo tests on his ankle and knee, but we I don't think it's a really too serious of an injury, so we'll see how long he's going to be out for. Just more on the Dallas Mavericks. Dallas pretty much announced that they're going to be retiring Dirk Nowitzki's number 41 on January 5th against the Golden State Warriors. We know that if there's any player that really deserves a jersey retirement, it's definitely Dirk Nowitzki who played 21 seasons with the Dallas Mavericks. He got them the 2011 uh, NBA championship, and he pretty much has has a lot of lot of records on his resume. He leads the team with points, games played, rebounds, blocks, and three pointers. We know that he came up with a statement and where he said that Luca's already better than what he was. So, what's your thoughts on Dallas doing that? And do you think that Luca really does have the potential to to overcome Dirk? But and by overcome, I mean get multiple championships, not not just one. There definitely is the potential for Luka Doncic to overtake Dirk in terms of the number of championships won over their career. But to overtake Dirk's legacy as part of the Mavericks organization is probably going to be very, very difficult to do because that's basically trying to say LeBron or Anthony Davis or Russell Westbrook or any of the future Lakers to overtake the the Lakers' legacies of a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, a Magic Johnson, a Kobe Bryant. It's going to be very difficult to overtake those legends who came before them. But for Dirk, Dirk is, he's right up there with uh, like Tim Duncan, Kobe Bryant, all these guys who just played for one organization, won multiple titles, clear cut, first ballot Hall of Famer. And Dirk, he was really a revolutionary player for the game because prior to Dirk, there, were, there weren't really that many like seven foot guys like stepping out to shoot threes who were really efficient from uh, shooting perimeter jump shots or on the free throw line. Like Dirk was a trendsetter that paved the way for how the the fours and the fives of the league play in the NBA today. And it's honestly overdue, in my opinion, to have Dirk's jersey retired now. Because what he did for that Dallas Mavericks organization, you got to think about it. Like, who do we even think about when we think about the Mavs? We think about Dirk and we think about Luka. But before Luca, it was only Dirk. There was nobody else before Dirk that we were thinking seriously from the Dallas Mavericks organization that were like, oh, who was a superstar that ever played for that organization? Uh, before Dirk, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Dirk put Dallas on the map. And for that reason alone, like he's he's a superstar for, for, the, for the city of Dallas and the state of Texas. Yeah, I agree. But we do know that Dirk was pretty much the original unicorn, if, if you so call it. But he did do a lot for that franchise. Let's move on to the Golden State Warriors. So they beat the Cleveland Cavaliers 104 to 89. And I'm not going to lie, when I was watching that game, I did get some flashbacks of just the years that they've been battling each other in the finals for the last, I don't know, the last five to six years, uh, obviously before 2019. And Steph Curry, he's been going off, man. He dropped he dropped 40 points overall, but here's the interesting part. 
20 of the 40 points that he dropped were in the fourth quarter. We know that the Cleveland Cavaliers were leading for the for the first three quarters for the most part until Curry just went out of his mind and, and just went crazy. The, the, the trend and upward trend that he's been on this season really goes to show you that he really wants that MVP and he really believes that the Warriors could actually take the Larry O'Brien. But this was just another night where he dropped nine, nine threes. Uh, I remember in the beginning of the seasons, we said that if he averaged, I don't know, four or five threes, he might be tying up Ray Allen sooner than expected. But the fact that he's just dropping nine threes a game, and it just seems so regular. It doesn't even shock us anymore. So right now, he is 56 three-pointers behind Ray Allen. And just from the looks of it, this might happen sooner than we expect. But uh, what's, your yeah. thoughts on, uh, what's your thoughts on Curry's performance? Because he's been going crazy. Curry is playing better than the time that he won the unanimous MVP, in my opinion, because he's stronger, he's wiser, the game is simpler and easier for him, and their young guys have developed to accommodate for his gameplay, and Draymond is motivated this year, and the fact that they're winning games already without key elements and key players in James Wiseman and Clay Thompson, and Seth Curry is the number one beneficiary of that because he's playing better than he won uh, better than when he won the two uh, MVPs. And that's saying something because he's 33 years old. He's been in the league for a while now. And people were always doubting him in terms of what's going to happen. Is he ever going to be the same? Is father time ever going to catch up? And lo and behold, he's still here. He's still a superstar. And he's arguably the clear front runner for the MVP award. Not only that, they do have a NBA best record of 14 and two. And more positive news, even though we just talked about some positive news, but here's some more positive news. So Clay, Clay Thompson has been participated in his first five-on-five practice uh, this past Monday, and uh, it's been almost a solid week since he's been doing that. If the Warriors do get Clay back and he does manage to squeeze into that rotation in a very gradual way, obviously after com- coming with that 2019 NBA Finals ACL tear, this is going to be very dangerous for, for the rest of the league because they're already, they have the best record without him. And it's just, it's just going to be interesting to see him, to see the Warriors in general with with, with uh, Clay Thompson. Since we're discussing about the Cavs, so the Cavs have been really shocking the league in terms of the way they're playing. They're right now, they dropped to the eighth in the Eastern Conference, but before the injury of these two players, they were pretty much third or fourth seed in the East. But right now, their starting point guard, Colin Sexton, or as they call him, the young bull, he's out for the rest of the season after going undergoing a knee surgery. And not only that, their rookie, who they drafted, Evan Mobley. What's your thoughts on the Cavs and how they've been playing so far? How these injuries can affect them? Because right now they dropped to reality and they're eighth in the East, but they were they were on the trajectory to making it to playoffs. But after these two injuries, I don't I don't see that happening. Yeah, I don't see that happening either. Um, only because those are very good players that they just lost to injury. Colin Sexton, he's always trying to fight his way into being that conversation of a first-time All-Star. Clearly, that's not going to happen anymore because he's out for the year. Guys like Evan Mobley, first year in the league, has things to prove, but already was a, a, a top two, top three favorite to win rookie of the year. The fact that he's missing time, the fact that Jared Allen and Laurie Markkinen was missing time due to, uh, due to their various illness and COVID injuries, it hurts, honestly. Like, anytime that you're missing key cogs of your team, it hurts, but... For a young team like the Cleveland Cavaliers, who were off to a tremendous start for the beginning of the year, and now they're on this downward trajectory where they might be in contention for a play-in spot, 
it's not looking that great, even though they showed a lot of promise to surprise a lot of the NBA fans because nobody would have ever taken the Cleveland Cavaliers to be a serious threat or even maybe make the playoffs ever in this regular season. But they showed everybody wrong. And I was hoping that, you know what, they would keep up on this trajectory. But unfortunately, it just didn't happen. All right, let's move on to more trade rumors regarding Ben Simmons. We know that Ben Simmons has been out for the season because he just felt that he does not belong in that franchise. But the additional rumors that have been uh, involving about his situation is potential trade to the Detroit Pistons uh, for a package including Jeremy Grant and potentially either Sadiq Bey or Kelly Olenek and a first-round pick. Do you think that that's a fair trade and what the Sixers really feel that they deserve or could they are they going to try to drag this out to try to get a better trade? Well, anytime that you're dragging something out, like and, and people know that the obvious thing is that they want to get rid of Ben Simmons and Ben Simmons wants to not be there. And they want to get a, just losing solid point, a solid point guard, like like a Dane Willard. I, I don't think that they're, they'll, they're too happy with a Jeremy Grant. No offense to the, to the big man. Yeah, no offense to the big man for sure. But it's honestly like, what are they doing? Like, he, he's not happy being there. You don't want him there. Why is he there? Stop dragging this out. Because the longer it's dragged out, the, the more likely that his value is going to keep decreasing. And everybody knows, like, if you keep him there, then he's going to even have more mental health issues that he's claiming to have because he's not happy. Anytime you're not happy with anything, you're not, you're not mentally right, right? Like, think about it if in everyday situations. Like, either you're not happy with the relationship, with the girl, or with the guy, with the friend, with work. If you're not happy, your mental game is not right. So the longer he's unhappy, the longer it's likely that his mental issues are going to continue and therefore teams are going to be even more reluctant and unlikely to trade for him because his value is not that high anymore. So the Sixers, I don't know why that they just believe that, oh, if we hold on to him because we know that he has this potential and he he has a proven track record of being an all-star, being a a potential defensive player of the the year worthy of a talent, that teams are going to give us like a home run offer. But it's not happening because if it wasn't going to happen, it would have already happened by now. And they had their chance last year when James Harden was a, po- a possibility, but clearly they lost out because that, I don't think Brooklyn would ever, ever trade away James Harden for Ben Simmons in any, in any year, regardless if it's James Harden playing in his year 40. I don't think they would do that because James Harden does things that Ben Simmons can never do. And Ben Simmons, no matter how much he improves his game, he has a cap. And his cap is way lower than James Harden's floor which is saying a huge statement in terms of the gap, the discrepancy between James Harden and Ben Simmons. So getting a guy like Jeremy Grant plus a Linux, maybe some picks, it's maybe the best that they're going to get right now. They supposedly released a, a leak that's saying that they got 30 players they could potentially trade uh, for for Ben Simmons, but it's most likely those players that are towards the bottom of that list that are maybe all-stars or all-star borderline that they're going to go after because clearly – I'm sure they got Giannis on there. They got KD on there. They got whoever else on there. But those guys are not going to leave. And they wouldn't get traded. The organization who have those players would be stupid enough to fucking trade their, their franchise cornerstones. Why would anybody do that for some unhappy, frustrated, mental health, problematic star in Ben Simmons? The one, the, one, the one advantage they will have if they keep him uh, for the rest of the season is they will have a higher chance in getting James Harden especially after just witnessing the outcome of the Brooklyn Nets. So if the Nets don't win a championship this year and Harden is still on that uh, Brooklyn Nets roster and Simmons is still on the Philadelphia Sixers, that, that just increases the, 
the possibilities for doing a sign and trade with the Brooklyn Nets. But I'm pretty sure that the Sixers really want to get rid of him as soon as possible because he's really not doing the team any good right now. Let's move on to the final news for today. One day, man, just throughout the week. I think it was a, I think it was on a Tuesday or a Monday where I just woke up and I had like seven DMs on like five different apps, man. And it was, Jeez. it was, it was, it was, it was a common news. Uh, it was from my friends that were, that I grew up with in the United Arab Emirates. Uh, I'm not sure the pod listeners know, but that's the country that I grew up in. I grew up in Abu Dhabi and uh, I worked in Dubai for a little bit. But the news that, that their NBA pretty much is official is that the UAE is going to be hosting two preseason games next year. I'm not going to lie, man. The UAE does not have any ties with basketball. Uh, it's not a basketball country. It's definitely a soccer slash football country first. But them just hosting two preseason games next year, I'm not sure what, what the purpose of this, but I know that there's a lot of money behind this and that country does not lack any money. All I got to say, Jay, man, one summer, we got we to gotta, we gotta head out over there and, and catch some of these preseason games because Dubai is definitely the place to be. But when do you think you're going to be heading out there, man? It's been, it's been a while. <laughs> no, it's definitely been a while, man. It's definitely been a while. And that's big news uh, internationally because, you know, like obviously those guys, um, in the Middle East are clearly becoming NBA uh, ball fans for the NBA to react this way and say that, you know what, we're going to give you an actual real-life experience by having these uh, superstars come out uh, to the Middle East and uh, put on a show. So shout out to the league for thinking of this idea and expanding the game because truly basketball is an international game. I know it's not as big as uh, soccer or as Europeans uh, call it football, but the fact that it's getting this much attention worldwide in and like you're saying not really a natural basketball country it's huge for the league we have some breaking news here i know in the last couple episodes or two episodes from this week uh, i had some breaking news and that breaking news was me getting some some seats to the brooklyn nets game but this breaking news is, is quite different so the sacramento kings has decided to fire coach luke walton after a 6 and 11 start wow the last game that he played was against the utah jazz and we saw what happened last night, man. There was a fan sitting courtside who puked. He pretty much puked on the floor, and, and that caused the game delay over 10 minutes. But all that happening with Luke Wallen as his last game, that just goes to show you, man, this guy's luck is no good at all. But uh, what's your thoughts on the Sacramento King firing coach Luke Wallen? And do you think that they'll they, they even have a chance, even whoever the new coach is, to make it to the playoffs? Because they haven't seen the playoffs in over a decade. Yeah, so the the firing of Lou Walton, everyone could kind of see it coming from a mile away because he's had time and he's had good young players, but it never translated into any playoff appearances. It never really translated into anyone being voted into uh, the All-Star game or any individual player accolades. It just didn't work out. And now 17 games in, they're 6-11. and 11. They can never put together more than two games, uh, two winning games at a time. It's just an unfortunate situation. I, and I believe, honestly, that the Kings are probably cursed. Like, it's not just the coaching. I, I think so, too, man. I, I believe it's just the organization. Like, the organization is very dysfunctional. Uh, nobody really knows what the hell's going on over there. I mean, they had some decent wins. I mean, they won their last four games of the preseason, right, for that matters, if, if that actually counts, even though we know that preseason is just preseason. But they started the year, uh, you know, beating the uh, Portland Trailblazers at, at Portland. And they beat Phoenix at Phoenix. You know, they, they took care uh, of business against, uh, you know, an upcoming star in, in LaMelo at home in, in Sacramento. But outside of those few games, they lost. 
I mean, they know, haven't like, they haven't seen the playoffs in over fifteen years. Uh, the last season was the the oh five oh six season. I hate to say it, man, but they're not going to make it this season either. It's just, it's just. I mean, I I I hate to say that too, but truthfully, like, what can we say? I mean, like, if the last time that they were actually in the playoffs, you know, you didn't even hit puberty yet. Like, it's it's time for a change. You know, so I actually believe that you know what the Kings have to do something different. Either it's a personnel change in Come terms on. of their players. Come on, or man, it's I'm not a coaching change. Come on, man. I'm not. I'm not that young, man. Oh six, I was. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. I remember those days vividly. But it's just. It's just sad, man. At this point, like I know they got a new arena, but they might need to shift the franchise somewhere else, man. Vancouver or, or, or Seattle. I think it's the Seattle Kings. That that sounds that sounds attractive, man. But I mean, because think about it. I mean, they lose to any decent team. They lose to all the good teams, and they lose to even bums. Like, how do you lose to OKC? I, I don't understand. How do you lose to OKC? Nobody should lose to OKC. Yes, I know OKC are scrappy players, and you know they compete, but the Kings have a lot more superior talent than, than OKC does. OKC have, I don't think any of those guys who are on the OKC player roster, at least like 90% of them have been in the league for maybe two years max, like maybe three years max. They don't have any vets on there. They don't have any proven players on there. Like, and you lose to teams like that. And then you come home, get destroyed by the Raptors. You get destroyed by the Jazz. You're probably going to lose to 76ers today. I don't know, man. Honestly, and you, and you just... got and you got your court side fans puking all over the court. Like, come on, man. Exactly. Come on, man. Like, they, they've had enough, man. Fifteen years of this misery. Something's, listen, man, something's got to change. Listen, man. We we haven't we haven't spoken with the Sacramento Kings this long in our in our two years of recording the pod, man. But I think that's that's enough attention for them. <laughs> that's uh, I guess that's all for today's episode, everyone. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll definitely catch you guys on the next one. Catch you guys next time. <laughs>